This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Get a Casper mattress and get a great night's sleep. Try it for 100 nights risk-free. Go to casper.com slash Glenn and use the promo code Glenn. Get $50 towards the purchase of your mattress. Terms and conditions do apply. Or the Turtle Tunnels or the Teapot Museum. Oh, those were the days. And then we outlawed. We said, no more of these earmarks. But the GOP has control of the House and the Senate and the White House, and they know how much we look forward to those turtle tunnels. And they were supposed to vote on bringing earmarks back today. But then you heard about it. And Paul Ryan said, oh, well, we're not going to vote on that right now. Oh, that's good. The guy who actually spearheaded the effort to stop it in the first place is also one of the senior advisors, one of the one of the big guys behind the conventions of uh, the convention of states. He says we're really only one state away from making this a reality. Tom Coburn joins us right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome, former Oklahoma Senator Tom Coburn to the Glenn Beck Program. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm fine, Glenn. When you saw the GOP yesterday starting to go and put earmarks back in as a way to direct um, uh, pork barrel spending back into their uh, districts, what went through your mind? Oh, careerism, career politicians. Uh, you know, it's, it's important people not understand how earmarks work. Earmarks work because a city wants something, uh, which is really not in the enumerated powers of the federal government to do in the first place. They hire a lobbyist or somebody hires a lobbyist. They give to your campaign, and then they ask for, well, the city needs this. You'll look good at home. This has got to be a priority for you because you represent these people. So it's the it's the old idea that people are you know, as soon as you know you can buy, you can get anything you want from the federal government, you lose your freedom. And so this arrogance of power that says, I will supply what my district needs rather than what's in the best interest of the country, which is their oath, has nothing to do with their local district, which is their oath, is the thing that will spell disaster for a country. And it has already. You know, they, the, the career politicians will tell you we need this to get things through Congress. We agrees with the skids. You know, so you had to buy somebody's vote by giving them money to spend at home. Uh, number two is if we eliminated all earmarks, which we still haven't, even though they say they have, if you eliminated all earmarks, actually you'd make Congress could start doing their job. The other thing you hear from members of Congress is, well, the administration has the power to do this. 
No, all you have to do is put in your appropriation bills that they won't do any of this stuff without getting approval from Congress. But they won't do that. So, it, you know, it's laziness, it's careerism, it's elitism, and it's contemptuous in terms of what – even having a vote on it tells you that they're totally not connected with the American people and that they're connected with the next election. Former U.S. Senator Dr. Tom Coburn, um, Tom, when you're looking at what's happening now – I heard Paul Ryan, who was not for Donald Trump, um, now ecstatic and say he said yesterday that this is a new dawn in America and um, the Republicans are are it's a new day for even the Republican Party. Um, And it sounded pretty excited. A lot of people are really excited. Is this something that you would look on and say, man, it would be great to be in the Senate right now? Or are you expecting more of the same? What do we expect from, what do you think is happening with the Republican Party? I don't think much. Um, I'm hopeful that uh, the president-elect can give the leadership to cause people to make hard decisions instead of easy ones for their reelection. But I don't know that anything happened on the 8th of November to do spinal transplants in most of the career politicians in Washington. Uh, you know what 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 the earmarks vote is is cowardice. Is it's about me and not about our country. That's you know, and to me it is so disappointing. And first of all, are they tone deaf? Did they not hear what this election was all about? Draining I don't the think swamp. I, I don't think anybody did. I really don't. I don't think uh, the media. It, it, it I don't just think tells the. Tells you why we have to have a convention of states to offer amendments to limit the scope, the power, and the jurisdiction of the federal government. You know, here, here you have the party that's in control wanting to vote to restore one of the most corrupt systems there ever was that only really benefits the politician. Because for any earmark I might have gotten, I had to give an earmark to 99 other senators, and I had to look the other way to be able to do it. And I never got an earmark once for Oklahoma or my district. I refused to do that. I refused to fall into that. So, you know, to me, it's the corruption of careerism. And when I'm talking corruption, I'm talking about not upholding your oath to the U.S. Constitution to understand that there are enumerated powers for the federal government, and those powers are supposed to be limited. There's no reason for a member of Congress or a U.S. senator to be directing money to be spent in their state. What they should be doing is lessening the tax burden and let the states figure out where they want to spend the money. So you're you're looking at the convention of states, and do you believe that the uh, Trump presidency has made this more likely or less likely to happen? Well, I don't know, Glenn. Uh, I, I don't think it's less likely because you just saw. Here's the greatest example in the world why we need it. Here's the, the supposed fiscal conservatives now want to reintroduce earmarks. So I, I don't know the answer to that. What I do know is if, in fact, there's not big change over the next two years in the behavior in Washington and liberty is lost again and money is spent that we don't have, that we're borrowing from future generations, the election in two years from now is going to be very difficult for those in charge. Tom, I, you know, I look at the situation. We, we had a story out of Australia today and one two days ago out of India where Citibank is doing what India uh, just did, and they're limiting cash, and they're getting rid of the you know the ten dollar bill in India. In India, Citibank announced uh, yesterday or tomorrow uh, that uh, in Australia 
many of their banks will be entirely cashless. And the world seems to be going to a cashless society because, quote, it's good for business and good for the banks and security. I, I, I just have this fear as we, get, we start going down this road that all this stuff is going to collapse and the people are not going to go for another bailout. The banks have already worked it out with the government to have a bail-in. Things can radically, radically change quickly. Do you agree with that? Well, I think they can. I, the question is, is uh, how do you prevent that? And the way you prevent it is you start right now with a new president and a new Congress not spending money that you don't have on things that you don't need. And so whether they manipulate whether we have a currency or not, that's a symptom of the underlying problem. Right now, Glenn, the unfunded liabilities for America is $144 trillion. It grew by $4 trillion last year. That's a million dollars per taxpayer. That's $24 trillion more than the entire worth of the country. So when people say there's no problem, we can borrow money, you can borrow money as long as people are willing to loan it to you. But history shows us that both democracies and republics that borrow money at, at a rate greater than their GDP fail. And so has every other republic before us failed? Yes. Will we fail? Yes. If, in fact, we don't have real courageous moral leadership. Well, we don't have that. You don't spend the future's money. We don't have that. So that's why the the project of uh, states is so important. The convention of states is so important. The the Constitution gives us a way out. I, I am a full-fledged backer of this. I I can't, I mean, I think this is the answer. There's a lot of Republicans, at least here in Texas, that say, oh, it's not bad enough to use, you know, Article 5. I don't know what they would be waiting for, um, but there's a lot of people that are, um, you know, the the, the business-as-usual people don't want this to happen. We are now in a situation where we're one state away from making this happen? We're one state. Well, I, I, there was a report, and maybe maybe you know this fact, Senator, but uh, there there were, were one one state away from having enough Republicans in control of legislatures that if they all passed it, you could do it essentially without any Democrats stopping it. Right, but but it really is a bipartisan thing. It's not. Yes. You know, I, we have a lot of Democrats supporting what we're doing. Right. I think that here, you know, here's the main. And thing. you have a lot of well, Republicans that are sticking the muds. Well, but <laughs> again, that's what a grassroots movement's all about. Right. Changing. Right. That. Right. So, so here's, here's the point. You, you have this example right after election November 8th that the, the status quo elite careerists in Washington all of a sudden want to bring back a tool of corruption. So they're tone deaf. So the only, thing, the only tool America has that's big enough to fix the problem that we have is an Article 5 Convention of Amendments, where amendments are made that, that re- brings power back to the state, that limits the stupidity that's going on in Washington today. Remember, every year, every year, $500 billion is thrown out the window in Washington. Total waste, total duplication, total fraud. That's a half a trillion dollars a year. Well, had we had really strong members of Congress, I don't care what party they're from, that took their oath seriously, we wouldn't have that. We'd be have $500 billion more a year that we wouldn't be taxed for or we wouldn't be borrowing against for our kids. 
So the only tool we have is an Article 5 Convention of States, and the American people have to know that here's the greatest example you can see. Here's the, the tone deafness, the elitism, the careerism. We want to enhance our own personal power by using earmarks to look good at home, to collect money for campaigns, to enhance our future as a career politician. I mean, listen, Mitch McConnell, first thing he said after, after the president-elect said about term limits, he said, we're not bringing term limits up. No, he's not going to bring term limits up. He's been there 30 years. Why would he bring term limits up? And he's part of the problem. So so the people who say that, well, especially now, the Democrats are freaking out and they would love to open up that Constitution. What, well, they what don't do you have s- the power to do that. An Article 5 convention, by law and Supreme Court precedent, has only the power to discuss what's in its application. So Convention of States has an application for the financial aspects of the federal government, i.e. a balanced budget amendment using generally accepted accounting principles. Number two, term limits on members of Congress and appointed members of the government. And number three, limiting the scope, power, and jurisdiction of the federal government. So there's only three areas, so you can't open it up. And it's not a constitutional convention. It's a convention for amendments to the Constitution that we have. Right, but we couldn't do what, let's say, what they did, you know, in the last progressive era, and I'm not suggesting anybody wants to do this, but you couldn't come in and say, I want prohibition. No, you couldn't do any of that, because it doesn't have anything to do. You, you can only have a meeting by precedent, by history, and, and, and by common sense, what is listed in your application, and all the applications have to match. So there's no, there's no risk whatsoever, zero, nada, of a, quote, runaway convention. And there never has been one. I don't but think you can make that people point. People against this always use, oh, well, we'll probably use yeah. them. Right. Well, that's the elitist, power-hungry group that wants to continue things the way it is, that have us bankrupt as a nation. You know, look at median family income. Median family income dropped $7,000 under this president. Wow. That means 50% of the people are making $7,000 in real dollars less a year than they were before he became president. But it's also a lot of uh, frightened conservatives, Senator, because they are worried that, that, which is why you can't make the application point enough, because they're worried that that they're going to try to, you know, uh, eliminate the Second Amendment. here's, Here's the thing they ought to worry about. We have a runaway federal government right now. Why don't you worry about that? <laughs> Rather than the, and the people that are promoting the fear, they lack courage. There is no mm-hmm. there is no fear in doing the right thing. There's a yeah. lot of fear hunkering down, saying, "Oh, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid," and consequently, we go down the tubes. So you get a mm-hmm. choice: you can either stand up and fight for your liberty and fight for your rights and fight for a limited federal government like was intended. Or you can continue to let the federal government control 70% of everything in our economy and in our states. I can't, um, I can't recommend highly enough that you get involved uh, with the Convention of States project. I, I think this is the uh, answer. This is the way to give the power back to the people. This is what we've been looking for, and time is of the essence. Uh, and we're making great progress. If we sure need you on the battlefront here in Texas, if people want to get involved, uh, Tom, how do they do it? They go to conventionofstates.com. They can find out. They can volunteer there. They can find out. They can ask any question they want. It's already been answered on that website. It, we address all these things that people are worried about and talk about why those can't happen. 
and they get, allow you to hook up with somebody locally in both your county, your district, your voting district, your congressional district, or your state house district or your state senate district, and Great. then become involved so you can actually influence your legislator to vote for this. Tom, thank you very much. Tom Coburn, You're uh, God former bless you, uh, senator. God bless you. Have a good Thanksgiving, sir. Uh, it is, uh, it's, it's, it's critical. You really want to drain the swamp? They're not going to do it in Washington. They will do it this way. Conventionofstates.com. He's an awesome spokesman for that. He is. That's, he is. That makes a lot of sense. All right. Change is coming. Now, how do you prepare for the worst? And as, uh, I read in an article, prepare for the worst and, and, and hope for the best of the next four years. How do you do that? Well, my Patriot Supply would like to um, help you out on that. One-year emergency food supply is $997. Now, that is about half off. Call 800-946-2325. That's 800-946-2325. We just did this. It, 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 it's such a weight off your shoulders. Did you do another year? Huh. Yeah, so did we. Yeah. Um, it is, uh, this is the best price I've ever seen. And this By is, far. this, I mean, you want three months. Everybody should have 72 hours of food. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's bare minimum. The next level is to have three months worth of food. Then you go to six months, then you go to a year. If you have a family of four and you can afford it, buy this. This is the best deal I've ever seen. And buy, it takes care of three four. months for a family of four. It's right. awesome. And if you can just get one of these, you have a family of four. That's breakfast, lunch, and dinner for every member of the family for three solid months. And the entire day's worth of meals is about $2.27 a day. That's unbelievable. Call 800-946-2325. 800-946-2325. One year of emergency food supply for my Patriot Supply. Preparewithglenn.com. That's preparewithglenn.com. The Glenn Beck Program. The key to having a great day starts with having a great night's sleep, and I know because I have a Casper mattress. The Casper mattress was invented with two high-tech foams that give you all of the support that you need and guarantee that you get the best night's sleep ever. Time Magazine named Casper Mattress one of the best inventions of 2015. Casper ships for free in a box so small you won't believe it holds the actual mattress, making it simple to get from your front door to your bedroom. And you try it for 100 nights risk-free. They'll come and pick it up if you don't love it as much as I love mine. And they'll refund every single dime. Once you try it, you're never going to want to sleep on anything else. Having a great day by having a great night's sleep. Casper.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn, $50 off the purchase of your mattress at casper.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. Don't forget, $50 off the purchase of your mattress. Casper.com slash Glenn. Terms and conditions do apply. One, two, one, two, three, four. Welcome to the uh, program. Do you have Scalia on the Convention of States? 
Yeah, they're just quotes, but okay. uh, they're they're great ones. I mean, listen to this. So, so Pat and I were just talking in the break that everybody is always saying, you know, you can't open the Constitution. That's going to lead to... Haven't you seen what's going on? They're going to grab the guns. They're trying to do that anyway. You can't open up the Constitution. That's not what this is. That's not the way it works. Here's Antonin Scalia on it. Yeah, he says the founders inserted an alternative method of obtaining constitutional amendments because they knew the Congress would be unwilling to give attention to the many issues people are concerned with, particularly those involving restrictions on the federal government's own power. This is how many times have we talked about this? This is exactly yep. the way to think about this. They're never going to do these things on their own. You can't open up the Constitution into that kind of... <laughs> haven't you seen what's going on? You're trying to grab the guns anyway. Now you can open up the Constitution. <laughs> uh, in any case, I do not have any great fear of an open convention since three-quarters of the states have to ratify what comes out of it. I mean, right there is... I mean, you never lose... Even if they could... Even if they could, Texas is not going to do something. You're not going to get three quarters of the states to take guns away. You're not. And have the block. Right. And they and by the way, you still wouldn't you wouldn't do an open convention. No, you would have a limited convention, which is what. That's what I'm saying. Don't do an open convention. Open up the Constitution. (laughs) I don't know where this person is from, but I it's irritating the way they say Constitution. That's what I'm saying. Yes, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you can read the whole thing. I just uh, sent it out at World of Stew on Twitter. But it's it's a uh, it's a great case, and Scalia supported it. He supported the idea of it, and of course, the founders supported it. They they saw the founders put it in because they saw this time coming. Yeah. Right. They knew that uh, the government would figure out it could take money from people and hand it out to all there the wrong people. Had to be a way to stop that. There had to be a way to stop it, and so this was the last thing they put in. They said, wait, 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 we've given all the power to the government to check itself. But what happens if everyone in the government goes bad? We've got to give the power to the people to be able to check them. That's Article 5. Get involved. Conventionofstates.com. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. conversation in the think tank the other day about things that you can do on Thanksgiving. Like, I do not like the idea that stores are open on Thanksgiving, except if I need to go buy butter or cream or something like that. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, sure. Until you. Yeah, right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I don't want anybody open on Thanksgiving. I like the idea that everything is closed on Thanksgiving. Oh, stop it with this. I hate this argument. I'm so sick of it. Oh, okay. Well, then we'll move on. Okay, good. That was easier than I thought. I thought we were going to extend a conversation on it. What, what, actually, why? Why? Well, because, you know, no one cares uh, about the people who actually are working on Thanksgiving. No one cares about uh, the people at the electric company that are keeping your lights on. 
No one cares about the people who, you know, uh, about who are the people who are at, actually the have stations to be at getting... the electric company that day. Yeah, oh, really? They, they can just leave they the just entire leave power plant unattended? <laughs> wow, that's interesting. Yes. Pretty automated now. I don't know if you know about automated. Really? No security? Really? No security? Nothing. Nothing. Wow, what a wow, wonderful thing that we can There's put that in. All the police stations shut well, down I'm for saying, business. Look at, look at, it's like this. If you're religious and you're so religious, you don't play sports on the Sabbath. You don't. Well, then you don't, unless you're a NFL football player or coach, and then you realize, well, that's my job. Unless you're a doctor and you're on call on Sunday, well, that's my job. Right, and I think, like, for example, the NFL, of course, a huge part of Thanksgiving for most normal people. Glenn, yes. uh, they play, and they all have to go and leave their families and travel across the country to go play on Thanksgiving. That's their job. You don't have to go. We Do we have to go shopping? Can't we have... One day. You know what's amazing? You can. And you can choose to stay home Shut with up. your family. <laughs> and then those people. I, you no, 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 no. Don't make this into shopping. like I'm a dictator trying to tell everybody what to do. Well, I, I don't want to pass a law on right. it. I don't want the blue laws. But I don't. I, I really. Now, the reason why I brought this up. Yeah, sorry. I mean, this is not where I plan on going. The reason why I brought this up is I have a real problem with that. However, I want to go to a movie right. on <laughs> <Right>. Thanksgiving night. <laughs> right. Those are all automated, Glenn. Nobody works. Right. Nobody's there. working there. Nobody works. You know what I mean? The popcorn yeah. just pops itself, and you know you buy the ticket online and scan it, right? Nobody's actually there. Yeah, no, surprisingly, right. people are. So I was going to say I am diametrically opposed to myself, and you have me arguing with you. <laughs> yeah, no, I think a lot of people are. I mean, yeah. I, because I like, I think people like the idea of being with their yes. families. I think we also have to price in the fact that a lot of people don't like it. You know, a lot of people have families like Jeffy, and they want to get the heck out of the room as fast as possible. So thank God there's something open so they can go somewhere. I thought they just wanted to go see the movie. No, it's really just, strange. You know, I. I you know, got the big family and everything, and no one is coming to Grandma and Grandpa's house this Thanksgiving. We're we're alone. You're alone. Yeah, just yeah. me and Tanya and the two kids. That's it. Like really, no relatives. Stop. Nobody. It. Nothing. Don't not you that. have relatives that that live like approximately like on the premises? Yeah. yeah, they're we're going down. What about all the relatives that on, on you for years? Wow, the snow in between our houses is. Oof. <laughs> in Texas, they don't. There's no. Snow. Yeah, it didn't work for me either. But no, they're going to you know they're going to the other relatives. So right. it's it's weird going, mm. you know, being you know when I'm kind of actually digging that idea myself. It'd be kind of nice to have a, a little yeah. chill Thanksgiving. Yeah, because everybody's going to be at the house for Christmas. Like, everybody's going to be at the house for Christmas. So I got a huge packed house on Christmas. So it'd be nice. Yeah, to- Thanksgiving is just food. Christmas is gifts. And that's where you want a lot of people. Right. Otherwise, I'm just paying for everybody's food. Right. This then, way, I'm paying for your food, but you better be bringing good stuff. Not to mention, they're eating food you could potentially eat, which that's is right. a real problem. That's, that's why right. you should, everyone should be isolated on Thanksgiving. That's what we're advocating. Yes. So anyway, so there's a lot of movies that are opening up. Have you guys heard of The Edge of 17? Yeah. There's, uh, that looks so I don't good. know anything about it, but I've, I've heard. Oh, it looks so good. It's this girl uh, who's, you know, at the age of 17, and... Um, I don't know exactly. I can't remember, but I, I remember that every time Tanya and I see it, we laugh hysterically. It's this awkward girl kind of coming into her teenage years and trying to find that balance of being, you know, a kid and a woman. Uh, and and it just looks very, very awkward and funny. Yeah, yeah and there, you know, a lot of uh, very sarcastic sense of humor. Yes. There's, they're comparing it to Juno, if you remember that movie from, mm. I don't know, 10 years ago, probably now. 
it's probably been 10 years since that came out, but, uh, you know, the one where, uh, where she was going to get an abortion and then yeah, didn't, yeah, yeah. and, you know, that whole thing. Um, and that, which was also really well done. Yeah. So Everybody loved Juno. You and know, it really starts this weekend, though, is Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. That's going to be huge. That's a Harry Potter that's gonna related. Open, what, 150 million plus, 200 million movie? She didn't write this book first. She just wrote this as a movie, right? I don't know. I don't know, but I don't think there's, you know, yeah, J.K. Rowling, but I don't think she, I don't think there's a book that goes along with it, which is weird. But this is, yeah, I but love, it looks great. I'm as, really I, good. I, I saw the first preview for this. I'm not a Harry Potter fan, but I saw the first preview good. for this. I mean, it looks like all the other Harry Potter movies, yep. but it just struck me as like, I just had pride for her. For, I, for some reason, I just, I received this warmly, which shows you what a capitalist I am, I guess. But she, she made this big deal about she's got these seven books and then it's over. And then she made the seventh book into two movies. Mm-hmm. And then, hey, the guess movie. what? Here's another continuation of the series. It's not Harry Potter, so I'm keeping that promise, but mm-hmm. give me another billion dollars. I, I, there's something I just admire. And we will. And we, and will. we, will. we will. We will happily. Not only she has she sold she is 450 the... million books and then had all of those movies to be amazing hits. They've grossed, I don't know, two and a half, three billion dollars worldwide. And then this, which, which is, is a bigger franchise, Harry Potter or Star Wars? In the uh, end, which one will be a bigger franchise? I, uh, well, there's not. No, it depends. I don't know. You know it's really amazing. Close. Yesterday, I did a, I did a, um, I did a his story. It airs, I think, right after Christmas on uh, John Lasseter and uh, Steve Jobs. And one of the m- amazing facts about Steve Jobs is when he bought Pixar. Remember, that was a hundred and twenty-five thousand dollar computer and software system. But he bought it for, I think, $5 million because it, ha- it came with the building and it came with the 40 employees and everything else. <laughs> Lucas was selling it because he was, getting, because he was getting a divorce and it was hemorrhaging money. Jobs buys that thing, puts $50 million of his own money, and it loses all of it. And it hasn't produced anything. Toy Story um, is... is purchased by uh, Disney and Katzenberg says, hey, we'll, we'll do this, you know, thing. We'll partner because he won't, he can't hire Lasseter back. And he says, uh, so, you know what, I'll tell you what, I'll just hire you and Pixar. Why don't we do a movie together? And he says, what's the movie? And he said, Toy Story. Well, Katzenberg gets involved and destroys uh, Toy Story, makes Woody into a really mean guy. And Tom Hanks is in the recording booth and he's reading these lines and he's like, wow, this guy is a jerk. (laughs) And Lassiter knows that's the kiss of death. It's just not going to work if Woody is hated. So they shelve it and Disney cancels it. And he says, Lassiter goes back and says, hey, you have nothing to lose. Let me rewrite it. Let me just put some of the original stuff back in. Let's see what happens. Well, it's a giant hit. But before it goes out, now this is a company that has lost tens of millions of dollars and no one wanted to buy it. And it was purchased right after um, uh, Steve Jobs lost his gig at Apple, was in, what was it, Next? That, that computer yeah, program yes. that he did that was yeah. a bomb. Mm-hmm. He had sold all of his Apple stock for $50 million. He put his last dimes into Pixar he goes, he sees the preview, uh, not even finished, of Toy Story, goes to Wall Street and says, I need an IPO for Pixar, and I need it the day, I need it the week after Thanksgiving. This is going to open up on Thanksgiving. I need it the week after Thanksgiving. 
And the guy said, you don't, you're crazy. There's, you've never made a dime. Nobody's going to buy this. He said, trust me, they're going to buy it. And I want to open it $22 a share. He said, $22 a share? Let, let's talk maybe 10 maybe maybe 14 I want $22 a share. He did it, put it all in motion. The movie opens up, massive opening, biggest uh, Thanksgiving weekend of any movie of all time at that time. Mm-hmm. They open up, the shares double in price, okay? So now it's worth $44 a share by the end of the first day. Um, it's a massive success. Bob Iger leaves uh, Disney, which fired Bob Lasseter. Bob Lasseter brought all this stuff to them and said, hey, we should do all this stuff. They said, get out, get out. Um, and so they didn't listen to him. He and Steve Jobs put Pixar together, something else that nobody wants. Here's the final part of it that I love. Disney bought Pixar. It was a very short conversation, apparently, because Disney went to, Bob Iger went to Disneyland Tokyo and saw that all of the last 10 years, when Disney on Parade was going down Main Street in Disneyland Tokyo, he realized, that's Pixar, that's Pixar, that's Pixar. We got nothing. We got nothing. Everything is coming from Pixar. What are we doing? And so he came back and he said, he called up Steve Jobs and he says, I need to buy Pixar. How much you want for it? I don't know what the original number was, but basically Jobs said, Seven and a half billion. He put 50 million, 55 million dollars of his own money into it. And he risked for four years. And he said, seven and a half billion. Disney settled on 7.4 billion. And at the time of his death, Steve Jobs was the largest shareholder of Disney. Wow. Did you know that? No, I didn't know. It's incredible. It's a great story, though. Jobs and... And uh, the uh, when he got fired at Apple and and the Pixar story is is fascinating to me because the guy just yeah and the and the fired at Apple and the thing man. he did with Next where he didn't he wasn't he just puffed his chest out basically yeah he knew Apple was coming back and he yeah. knew yep. all I have to do he knew he was back in right is puff my chest him. I mean that guy for for the biggest a-hole on the planet yeah. brilliant but brilliant uh two things related to this conversation number one uh star wars 2.854 billion dollars harry potter 2.391 billion really close wow close. uh although star wars only, time first of all you got time and i don't think this is adjusted for inflation um but also harry potter nine movies um star wars eight is what they're they're counting here in this particular chart from uh, box office mojo um, the highest gross ever they're counting is the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is, you know, 14 movies, $4.2 right. billion. Highest average um, for, a, for, um, for movies, uh, The Avengers, $541 million. And The Dark Knight is after that. Um, secondly... You know what the problem is? May I just give yeah. DC Comics a little... I mean, DC Comics. If you just <laughs> listen to me, maybe you'll be successful, okay? <laughs> uh, so write this down, DC Comics. You know what the problem is with DC Comics? is A, they don't take their time for story development. They had to jam Wonder Woman into the yeah. Batman Superman. They don't take their time on story development like, mm-hmm. like Marvel does. Marvel does. And the second thing is, is stop rebooting Batman. 
And Spider is Spider Man yes. there too? Tell or? yes. Tell a new adventure of Batman. Yeah. I don't need to see the beginning of Batman over and over and over again. Really? Tell me a new story of Batman. Right. Christopher Nolan, right? Yeah. Is that his name? Christopher Nolan did the quintessential Batman. Don't wreck it. Let that be the basis of all Batmans. Why, why is it Marvel gets this and DC Comics just doesn't? They just don't see it. I don't know. Um, real quick, on, and you mentioned Tom Hanks uh, with his thing on Woody Allen. We should talk about this because we've talked about with, you know, with Trump doing so well, you know, the Democrats have all the good celebrities. Yes. Um, listen to Tom Hanks's call. I mean, the Tom Hanks for president thing is happening. Let's just accept it. He's obviously going to be the president in the future. <laughs> listen to this. We are all going to be all right because we are constantly going to tell the world who we are. We constantly get to define ourselves as American. We do, not, uh, we do have the co- greatest country in the world. We move at a slow place. We may have the greatest country in the world because we are always moving towards a more perfect union. That journey never ceases. It never stops. Sometimes, to quote a Springsteen st- song, it's one step forward, two steps back. But we will still aggressively move forward. We, uh, who, uh, we who are a week in- into wondering what the hell just happened, will continue to move forward. We have to choose to do so, but we will move forward because if we do not move forward, what will be said of us? This is the United States of America. We'll go on. There's great like-minded people out there who are Americans first and Republicans or Democrats second. I hope the president-elect does such a great job that I vote for his re-election in four years. That's I mean, great. He is always in the, I mean, you know, great. he's had some moments where it's been kind of I see. With, with, with Hanks. Yeah, but if he, he should have shut his together, mouth about World War II. That was a big mistake. Oh, we're, this uh, is really good. If he tries to run and he does this right, I mean, we're screwed. Yeah, <laughs> he's got to win, or we're saved. I mean, depending on what his policies right. are. I'm just assuming he's very. You know, yeah, I'm assuming he is too. But maybe, maybe, maybe yeah, he's. No. You know. Mm, yeah. Mm. All right. Now this. <laughs> uh, Trump wants to uh, label China as a currency mal- manipulator. Okay, but what happens if we do that? What does China do? He wants to lower taxes. That is fantastic. But what if spending isn't decreased at the same time and the debt becomes even larger? The Fed says they want to raise interest rates uh, in December. What happens when they do that? No one knows what the future holds. But I will tell you, in fact, I will tell you, I will read exactly what I wrote to my wife this morning. I said, uh, honey, hang on if I can find it here. Um, Honey, I... uh, we have to talk about one thing. Here it is. Uh, one thing this uh, next week. I want to invest in Bitcoin and more gold. Bitcoin uh, has doubled in the last year. Gold, we need to put more money in. Um, d- divesting some of the bonds and stocks. Now, I'm not a guy who, I am not a guy who um, is a guy to listen to for uh, advice. But I will tell you. The bond market is, it's over. It's, it's just over. It's only a matter of time. The entire game is coming undone. So what are you going to do? Listen to our first hour today where we told you what they're doing in Australia, where they are, they, Citibank just said many of their branches are no longer going to deal in cash, all cashless. Call Gold, Goldline right now, 1-866-GOLDLINE, 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. Call them now. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. 
This is the Glenn Beck Program. You don't want to miss tomorrow's show. Thanksgiving leftover waffles and pie cakin. Yes. All right, fine. Yes. Fine. Don't want to miss tomorrow. I mean, if you like food, you like to eat. Obviously, we don't. Look at us. Couldn't eat another bite. That's tomorrow. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.